You can see my award-winning climate comedy show spoilers at a festival near you, provided you live near or are going to McHuncliffe or Wells Comedy Festivals. More dates added soon near you, conceivably, who knows what might happen. And if you are at Mac, come and see ComCom Redacted live at 4pm on the Saturday. Go to stuartgoldsmith.com and click the very attractive banner image to find out more. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. They're like, you must love words. And I'm like, I love fun. Yeah. And <laughs> words, for me, are a tool for fun. This is a podcast from comedianscomedian.com. This is the Comedian's Comedian Podcast. Hello and welcome to the show. I'm Stuart Goldsmith. This is the only podcast about comedy. And today I'm at the Edinburgh Festival and I am bringing you one of, I mean, 10 so far, but maybe as many as 14 by the time we're done. Uh, One interview with an incredible American comic. This guy is called Mike Kaplan and he is... I think he's like an Adam Bloom type joke genius guy. So if you enjoyed the Adam Bloom one, if you're up for some really hyper nerdy comedy chat, then uh, you are going to find a lot to enjoy in this episode. Forgive me as I'm slightly uh, all over the place recording this because there is literally not a minute in my day. I'm having a whale of a time here with the two and a half year old Boutros and a heavily pregnant wife. Um, so there is, I mean, I'll tell you all about this in the post amble should you choose to listen. Um, there is some extra material from this episode at the Insiders Club as ever uh, comedianscomedian.com slash insiders so if you want to donate to the show with a subscribing uh, recurring subscription payment of two pounds plus uh, but everyone gets the same stuff then by all means hop along to the insiders club and uh, you can also hear a special uh, a sort of an advanced copy if you like of the alice fraser interview that we did live as part of the comcom meetup if you want to find out more about stuff like that as it happens uh, you can join the facebook group the comedians comedian podcast or you can join the insiders club and you really get the super super advanced stuff and you actually help me plan the things that we do so uh, that all is said and done uh, I've got episodes coming up from the rest of the festival we've already got nine other belters in the can who have we got Imran Yusuf Jack Dockersy Mark Thomas God it's great um, we've got Sean Morley we've got Rose Matafeo lots and lots uh, more to come Ismo Laikula and two or three other people who forgive me I'm just in pieces this is Mike Kaplan you are uh, a self-professed alien. You talk very fast. Yes. You have uh, you enjoy language and articulating things, and you enjoy doing so at speed. So it will come as no surprise to the listener to know that I found your show last night to be a cascade of jokes. I mean, it was it was a torrent. It, every joke had a, and it was Matt Kirshen that suggested that we meet and that you yes. come on the podcast, and it, it had all. Uh, it, it, one of the things that makes Matt Kirshen very special, I think, is that his toppers have got five toppers on them. Do you know what I mean? He's got jokes on top of his jokes. Oh, yeah. You are absolutely of that ilk. And two minutes in, I was thinking, I get why Kirshen's into this guy. <laughs> you know, friendship aside. 
you have just this uh, astonishing punchline density and something that I really delighted in, and I, I, as I said afterwards, I probably laughed involuntarily, by which I, I mean, not despite myself, I wasn't trying not to laugh, but you know how jaded comedians are. Of course. Particularly people, particularly if I'm watching it with one eye on an interview. I just laughed more at your show than I think I've laughed at anyone that I've seen at, at, the, at this festival so far. And I don't, want to, I don't want to stick too close to the idea of the festival. This might not come out for some months when the festival is a distant memory. Let's not date ourselves. But um, one of the things that I think you are exceptionally good at is a casual joke that then leads on to a casual topper for that casual joke. And then the end, a big rug pull or a big connection, some sort of the, the two ideas come together in a way that's perfect, that then makes, just scrambles my mind and goes, well, that must have been the plan all along. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? So talk to me about, the, about accident and design. How much of, your, of those bits to which I'm referring, and you can describe oh, as many of them as, as you want. I don't sure. want to butcher your material or you use it up, but um, the gravy routine. At the end of that routine, I was like, or not even at the end, I mean, it's sort of at the end of phase one, I was going, God damn it! Like, that's, how did you arrive there? Uh, that's a great question. Uh, I really appreciate it. Uh, you've, you've, I mean, I could just listen to you talk about me all day. Uh, like, here's I, a, I provide that as a service, yeah. Uh, on my, mo- my most recent album that has come out, which is separate from the show I'm doing now, called No Kidding, there's a, a chunk at the end where... I remember doing two jokes, and I would put them together, and then I remember a friend of mine told me he liked that joke, and I was like, which one? And he's like, that, that one. And I was like, oh, I thought they were two. Like, I was like, because I wrote them separately, this is what, what often happens is, like, a jo- here's like a way that I talk about... Uh, the, when I started doing comedy, it wasn't like this at all. It was like all one-liners. It was all like, you know, I loved Mitch Hedberg. I loved Stephen Wright. I loved Emo Phillips. I still love them all. Uh, and I still think of those things. But now I don't just, you know, my act is not just a string of, you know, disjointed, disconnected one-liners. Uh, though I still love when people do that. Uh, I'll put those on Twitter. But I would have, I remember, the way that I had to remember my jokes is that in the beginning, I'd have to be like, well, what, what can lead to another one, logically speaking? So I was like, oh, I have one joke about uh, a, a Japanese guy, one joke about a plumber, one joke about a mushroom, one joke about a fireball. Oh, these are all jokes about uh, Super Mario Brothers. So, <laughs> and so okay. then I would group them together, and eventually, you know, I had a lot of jokes about food and a lot of jokes about, you know, relationships and a lot of jokes about movies. And so that's how, like, chunks formed that, you know, if you listen to my first album or first couple albums, you'd be like, oh, this seems like a natural, logical flow. But it was all just like, I think, I think of it sometimes as, like, uh, starting with one snowflake, like each, each idea, each joke is just one snowflake, and then you pack another one, and another one, and another one, and then it keeps growing until eventually it's a giant snowball, or a snowman, or a snowwoman, snow non-binary person, snow whoever, and then, or it's like an avalanche, it's a boulder, and then it's like, you know, flowing down a hill, and then you chip it into an ice sculpture, and you're like, oh, that's, it's me. It was like, because I sometimes think also of, you know, the, they say, how do you carve an elephant out of marble, and that, you know, the, oh, whoever it was that said the famous person, I just look at the marble, and I carve 
drive away everything, that's not an elephant. Yeah. And so the same way, but for us, I feel like as comedians, we are carving ourselves. We're like, where is me? You know, like by adding things, by subtracting things, by editing things, chipping. Oh, this is me. And the way that I was in the beginning was just like one, is this a joke? Is this a joke? It's like more asking jokes than telling jokes. Yeah. Uh, there's, do you know Brent Weinbach? He's a funny. Yes, I've poet. seen Brent at the festival here a few years ago. Super funny weirdo who has a joke that I like to reference in respect to this without, because I otherwise feel like I'm sort of, you know, taking uh, an idea that he created, even though I'm not doing it as a joke. But he's like, some people, uh, you know, answer the phone like, hello? And some people answer the phone. She's like, I answer the phone. Hello. Because you don't question the phone. You answer the phone. Yeah. <laughs> and so I'm like, in the beginning, I really felt like, and still sometimes when you, I'm doing a new joke, it's like asking a joke. You know, you, even presenting it, be like, yes. this is a joke. Right? Yes. And, and presumably then you don't get to find out how much of a joke it is in the same way. Oh, yeah. Because you're asking them and there is less... Certainty, And you, you have to have, I mean, in the beginning, uh, it was like childlike because I, I was just like, I had no idea that I might be bad. Like it was that the Dunning-Kruger effect, <laughs> yeah, you know, okay. the more, the more, the less you know, the more you don't know that you don't know, the more you know, the more you're like, oh God, uh, what do, I don't know anything. Uh, but of course it's, it's this weird balance. So it, I, I needed it to get started. I needed the delusional self-confidence and the complete lack of self-awareness until eventually the awareness grows and the confidence, they meet in the middle, hopefully, where you're like, oh, I was like... I was very bad. Good thing I'm good now. A year later, oh, that was bad. Good thing I'm good now. Continually, every year, I'm like, maybe... Now I'm finally like, this is okay. (laughs) So talk to me about... Tell me if you can, uh, if you'd like to. Oh, an, yeah. An early bad joke of yours and an early good joke of yours. Oh, sure. I don't even know if I would say bad, but like the way that Stephen Wright once said is like, I don't think that it's not funny if it, no audiences laugh. I just think they didn't agree with me. <laughs> okay. He's like, I'll try a joke three times. If it doesn't work three times, I'll stop telling it. But, uh, and I'm not saying that I don't have jokes that, are, that I would call bad, but just like, I might not like them anymore. Sure, that's, sure. That's the but like an early, an early attempt at a joke. Of which... course. Uh, yeah. An early, and here's an early one that I tried so frequently. And like, I, I can now tell the story of it in a way that I think is funny, but at the time, I just didn't understand why people didn't see things this way. It was the, the idea that, oh, the word pirate sounds like the word parrot, and pirates have parrots. And that's not the whole joke, but that's most of it. <laughs> just the idea, I'm like, how could that be a coincidence? And I would imagine, like, the first pirate ship where a guy's like, go get me, with an accent that it would sound horrible, like, go get me some pirates. And then in a way that it sounded like pirate and parrot, and the guy comes back with a bunch of birds, and he's like, no, pirates, not pirates. <laughs> like, seafaring cutthroats. He's like, okay, well, I guess we go get a bunch of those guys, and then as a signing bonus, they all get a bird. Yeah. And, like, now, I mean, I... St- I've always thought it's funny, and it never got anything. Yes, I, I like the idea. The, I laughed at the word signing bonus. That's what makes it funny. Oh. That's specific <laughs> enough for me. Signing bonus makes that funny, because up until that point, I suppose I'm thinking... Um, this, it's too childlike. It's too like, yes, pirate sounds like parrot. This is, you know, this is, it feels like a contrivance. But signing bonus makes me go, very good. <laughs> That's amazing. Thank you for that, because I do know that now I can... I don't. 
I'm now still learning about what was not funny and could be funny about that, which sort of brings me back to, like, the shift from where I was in the beginning to now, which happened, I started around 2002, and around 2006, I went to the, there's a Seattle International Comedy Competition, so international, because it's right near Canada, a few people come down from Canada, it's international, and uh, people might come from other countries too, but mostly that, Uh, and that was the first place that I met and was competing with and saw and became friends with Rory Scovel. Oh, yeah, I love Rory, yeah. Masterful, and he was so up to that point. You know, we were doing like six shows in a week, competing against you know fifteen people, all doing like five minute sets. Most people doing their you know tight five honed. You know, for every different audience, different judges, mm-hmm. same set every night. Uh, and Rory did not do that. He was one of the only people that just like maybe some of the same jokes night night after night. But then he would do things like he would riff, he would be in the moment, he would be in the room, he would. And it was so funny and so perfect. And I'm like, you can do that. And he would like live. At, and a joke would end a different way or like the same way. But then he would keep living in the world of that joke yeah. and saying more things. And it would bring him new. And I was like, what is happening? And I had one other. It's friend. It's almost like you don't <laughs> respect the rules that don't exist. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. And another good buddy of mine uh, named Micah Sherman also I met around then and we started uh, I see him at open mics and he was an improv background he had an improv background and so he was always doing crowd work and riffing and I was like this is not I'm like it's so amazing and I I started realizing like I had one joke that I would eventually do on TV once it was in its finished form, but I initially wrote it off like by the Stephen Wright model of like I tried it three, I tried it a bunch of times, it didn't work, and a, a friend saw it in my notebook and was like, "Why don't you do that? This is a funny idea." And it, the same way that signing bonus adds for you the value of humor mm-hmm. to the joke I just told, like I I just riffed one one word. Additionally, I think if I can remember the joke, it's something like. I saw a bumper sticker that said, on the eighth day, God created bulldogs. And I'm like, I don't know if that's pro or anti-bulldog. <laughs> like, and at some point in the joke, I like to imagine God being like, all right, oh, oops, bulldogs. <laughs> I totally spaced on bulldogs. But that part, like, oops, bulldogs, was yep. the part that I didn't have that eventually just found on stage yes. and would always... I'm like, oh, the thing that I thought was the joke was the premise. Yes. That's fascinating. The thing that I thought was the joke. That's potential. I thought it was... That's the, great. <laughs> that's I a great concept. The whole thing. And that's, yeah. that's what happens now. So to answer your question about the gravy joke... It 100% just started with the observation that these people, Italians in New Jersey, like not all of them, but many, like when my father married this Italian woman and I go to their Thanksgivings and they have, at Thanksgiving, they have Italian food as well. They just have, you know, manicotti, managut, they call it. And they would just be, they'd have a big, it would have sauce on it, but then they'd also have a big pitcher of what they would call gravy. And I'm like, but that's... That's Which not, is like a ragu, like a tomato yeah, bolognese or yes, something. Yes, yeah. marinara sauce, tomato sure, sauce. Sure, gotcha. You put it on any... The Italian food sauce. And I was like, gravy? That is 100% a different word in my head. Like, but of course, I studied linguistics in university. Ah, okay. And one of the first... <laughs> that figures. That checks out. Yeah. <laughs> people sometimes ask, they're like, oh, is that why you this? Or why is, did your comedy because of this? Or this because of your comedy? And I'm like, both. I'm like, there's something in me that led me down that path and down this other path. And so there's, I, for what I just remember, as long as I can remember, uh, 
I've always had this fascination with words and then to find, oh, this is a topic of study. And that's why I started studying it. Yeah. And, and like also just naturally started making jokes about it, not because of the study, but they just all, sure. I think of it as like, those are all symptoms and I am the disease, you know. <laughs> um, and so... The gravy... You yes. said, do you mind? Do you oh. mind going into the, the the bigger punchline of that joke just yes. for the sake of analysis? Yes. It's such a beautiful joke. I'm ha- sorry to dissect. Oh it. no, happy to do it. Uh, so just initially, uh, I ask if people have heard of it. Uh, if people know what they call tomato sauce, and some people people know, and some people don't. And I the the general idea that, and even in this part, I don't know for you which part is the end of sure, the part sure, that sure. you want, uh, but. It's, uh, oh yeah, so they call, they call it gravy. I'm like, do you know what they call gravy? Also gravy. They, they have one word for everything. Uh, they're like taking a page out of the Smurfs handbook. They're like, <laughs> we'll get it by context. It's all gravy. Yeah, I mean, that, that, to me, that, the end of the joke, it's all gravy, meaning both things. Yes. As in, it's all good, and it's literally all gravy. Yes. That absolutely tickled me. And I think just remembering now you, you saying that, the Smurf joke along the way is a great example of what I think of as... Um, now, I used to play Mortal Kombat on the Super Nintendo. I don't sure. know if you're familiar with it. Same. And uh, there's a thing called a juggle combo. Are you familiar with this? Where you, are, you have your opponent against the back wall, the side of the screen. They can't go any further. And if you do like uh, an uppercut and some high punches and high kicks, they, they don't, their feet don't touch the floor. You keep them in the air... That's a juggle combo. You can string them along for like 20 punches if you get the rhythm right. Like you're juggling them. Like, yeah, like you're juggling them, but it, it's more aggressive than that. And oh, it's, yes. It's juggling, you're juggling one object. You're using multiple moves to juggle one object, oh, right? It's to like keep anti juggling. Exactly. So it's less like juggling and more like a fight against a wall. <laughs> and um, like something in the raid or something like that. And to me, that Smurfs joke is. Where you've punched me up against the wall just as I'm coming down. You get an elbow in or some sort of high knee that keeps me up, very high knee, that keeps me up there. And I'm just as I'm going, Smurfs, brilliant, then bang, it's all gravy. And I was in pieces. I just thought, and, and I, I'm interested in the extent to which like, you're aware of that rhythmically. Because obviously the, the joke, the, the beats of the joke, they're all, you know, they're great beats, they're all funny ideas. But as in that joke, as in a lot of your stuff, they are so pressed together who used this expression Ramon Rivas I think I saw him in South by Southwest and he said uh, uh, I did some sets in a much you know much shorter set to press all the air out of the routine and I was like there's no air in there man (laughs) (laughs) Uh, yeah I don't I do understand what you're saying I don't actively think about the rhythm Uh, it is sort of just a natural thing that occurs like from audience to audience you know depending on how much they laugh like that's the thing that I learned I'm like once I'm like, this is funny, or this gets responses, then, you know, the best audience, it go, for the best audience, it'll go the fastest. Sure. For, you know, an audience that uh, needs more time, I'll give them more time. Yeah. Uh, because, you know, sometimes uh, if there's more people that don't speak English as a first language or sure. my variety of English, I mean, I find that, you know, these shows, here's actually something that's very interesting that I've never talked about because it's only new in the UK, uh, there's a joke that I do later where I ask a question about what do you think they call yeah. the Bloody Mary at Moe's, and uh, there's a place called Moe's that had a Bloody Mary, and without tipping like too much of the stuff, the point is every single show that I've done here, one at least one person says the thing, the answer that I want them to give, uh, and is not the right answer. It's yes. a trick, 
that I want, like, but in other audiences, in America, everywhere, in Canada, everywhere else that I've performed, yes. people, like, sometimes people say it, but there are other things that people say as well, and sometimes just nobody says anything, but here, there's always one person who, I think, we see the world as, not as it is, it's been said, but as we are, so I'm like, there's always somebody who is smart enough to be dumb enough, like, and that's yeah. me. I'm always like, I hope that there's somebody who's like, I know the answer to this. I'll be confident and wrong. Uh, yes, and I see what you mean. They're not correct. They're not guessing it correctly. They're correctly guessing the dumb thing you want them to guess. Yes. And they are very kindly delivering themselves on a plate with the right, with the, exactly the right combination of I'm going to join in now. The confidence to join in and, and, yeah. and to have misunderstood the. Right, because it's, it's what I would do in the situation as well. If somebody, I'd be like, I, and maybe I would try to think, you know, multiple steps ahead. Sure. But, and also because I think there have been other, like, sometimes during the gravy joke, when I say, what do you think they call tomato sauce? Sometimes people are like, sauce? Like, yeah. <laughs> as, as a, like, they're trying to be like, is this going to be a trick? And I'm like, no, this one is not the same kind of trick. So I've already tricked people once yes. in a way that is not like this. And they're like, oh, so this one won't be like that. But this one is like the trick from before. Uh, but yeah, the, the point is, there's a Mitch Hedberg joke. Do you know the joke about uh, how bananas are like traffic lights? Yeah, uh, or the opposite. Yes. Like on, a, on a traffic light, green means go and yellow means yield. But on a banana, it's just the opposite. Yeah, yeah. Green means hold on. Yellow means go ahead. And red means where the fuck did you get that banana at? Sure, sure. <laughs> uh, and I'm like, that's, I think, a perfect example of the – when I, t- I took a philosophy class uh, of math. In, I was a philosophy major as well as studying linguistics. Uh, and one of the things that we talked about was like, is math like discovered or is it – Created like is it? Are we making it or are we finding it? Oh God! Okay, that's yeah. I'm, I, yeah, completely. And, and so with comedy, the same way, it both happens. Where in this particular joke, he didn't make traffic lights. He didn't make bananas. He sure. found that connection. He's like that one's green and yellow. That one's green and yellow. Put them together. But then he made. He's. I mean, there are red bananas, but that's not what's happening here. He's. He just made a new thing. He created fun yes. on the constructed fun. He constructed it from stuff that existed, and then added something new to it. And the thing that I've always my, my experience of Mitch Hedberg. The first time I encountered Mitch Hedberg was someone told me he was a great one-liner guy. And for some reason, before searching for him, performing his stuff, I thought, I love one-liners. I just quickly checked out read w- wiki yeah. quotes. I read them. None of them were funny. And they just, did, they just weren't funny. And the genius of Hedberg, I think, is that he manages, he's doing one-liners, which are suffused with character the, to the extent they don't work without the character. That's amazing. That's like an equation that only works if the heart's beating. Do you oh, know what I mean? Yes. Like, what a combination of things. And, and for me, that banana joke, even just, I, could, I remember as you were telling it, I was like, oh yeah, I remember this one. I don't think I remember it being very satisfying. Do you know what the funniest word is for me? At. Yes. Where are you getting your bananas at? Yes. Because that plugs in the spirit of Mitch's personality. Yes. And that kind of, where are you getting your, where are you getting oh, your, bana- people you don't getting your bananas at? People don't say things like that. Yeah. They don't say things. They don't talk like that. He had his own language and his own rhythm. And that, for me, lifted what could, in the hands of a lesser comic, be a, this is like this, this is like that. It checks out a lot of ways, but it's not completely similar. Pirate and parrot. Come on. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and there we go. Signing bonus. So it's the, t- the tiniest little elements of it. That's interesting that the... 
whether math, what conclusions did you come to about maths? Whether maths, sorry, math. Oh, yeah. I'll, 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 uh, I'll, like, I'll lower myself to your level. I'll allow math. It. <laughs> <laughs> we only have one math. We're a newer country. <laughs> um, what conclusions did you come to about whether it is? Oh, it's that there are, or... there are different theories. Uh, like there are people called like I think logical positivists that only I think this is this is long ago, but I believe what I retain from that is that they think if you look at say pi, you know, to as many decimals as can be known. You, there's not been found at the time, and maybe since, seven sevens in a row. And so, if you ask the logical positivists, are there seven sevens in a row in pi? They would say, no, there are not. If tomorrow seven sevens are discovered by a more powerful computer, they'll be like, now, yes. It was no before, oh. and yes, now. Whereas some other, I forget who the other people are who disagree, they would be like, it's either yes or no. We okay. just don't know yet. We we think it's no for net. For, we definitely don't know that it's yes, but we don't know that it's no because we don't know. But for logical positivists, they're like, all we, all we know is what we can prove, and if we can't prove it, then it's not. Right. And, okay, is there a, comic, is there a comedy equivalent Ooh, of that? Uh, <laughs> and, I feel like well, you're the guy to ask. Really <laughs> it would be stupendous if there was. I haven't thought of, Let me try to construct one. Is ooh, there a ooh. clever fart joke yeah. out there? Yes or no? <laughs> I can answer your question in a way that will be both satisfying and unsatisfying. The answer is... Not yet. <laughs> we haven't found one yet, but there very well could be tomorrow. I could discover it tomorrow, and I'll come back on the podcast. So this is Mike. Listen, you can hear what a phenomenally engaged and busy brain he has. Um, I think that comparisons to Adam Bloom aren't uh, uh, incorrect. I really recommend if you are at the Fringe, you get along and see his show because you will, of course, get more out of this episode knowing the territory that we're talking about. But I think even if you haven't had the chance to see him, you can certainly seek out his stuff. He's done Letterman. I think he's done Conan before. And he has numerous albums available on iTunes. Also, Broccoli and Ice Cream, which is a, a podcast of his own uh, in which he talks about Broccoli and ice cream, exclu- ice cream exclusively. No, I mean, what we're learning here is that I don't actually remember what the thread was, but it's a kind of conversational thing. Fascinating, uh, vegan, uh, ayahuasca-indulging, psychonaut kind of a guy, and um, really, really into his jokes. So get along to see Mike Kaplan if you're in Edinburgh. If, of course, you are currently at the Edinburgh Festival as you listen to this in 2018, well, then why not come and see my own show, end of... 2.50pm daily, not the 16th, at the Liquid Rooms Warehouse. It's been fantastic. We filled it last Saturday, and a full room in the Liquid Rooms Warehouse is 251 people, I think. By far the biggest solo show I've ever done in Edinburgh by by a, a factor, not a factor, but by 100 people. So um, that was really, really exciting, and hopefully there are more of those to come. Thanks to everyone who's been tweeting nice things about the show and going to the edfringe.com uh, ticket website, even though it's free and unticketed. There is still a page on edfringe.com. You can search for Stuart Goldsmith or indeed end of. Don't search for end of. It crops up in too many searches. What a fool I've been. But um, uh, you can search for it and you can leave an audience review if you've seen the show and you'd like to say kind things about it in the hope that we uh, get a few more people in through the door. So here I go walking past other festival goers. It's Lanyard's Central around here. Well, it's Lanyard Parkway. Um, I will talk to you more about this it's, it's rather unique festival experience that I'm having in the postamble. Um, shall we get back to Mike? I, I'm not going to do any correspondence or emails and stuff. I've had some lovely emails recently. Um, quick shout out for the Insiders Club. Thank you to everyone as well that came along to the ComCom meetup. 
which was tremendous fun when that episode with Alice Fraser goes out in a few weeks. Um, to those of you not in the Insiders Club, when it goes out on the main podcast feed, then I will tell you more about it. Her show is fantastic. So if you are at the festival, get along and see Ethos, which is a wonderful. I don't want to spoil anything, but it involves AI. It actually involves AI rather than just talking about it. Fantastic. Um, so that's all of that. Uh, keep supporting live comedy, guys. <laughs> I've got nothing else. I've got nothing coherent to say as I desperately rush from one thing to another. Um, I hope you will enjoy the rest of this conversation with Mr. Mike Kaplan. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number smart beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number limited edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's stamps.com. Code program. Talk to me about the pleasure that you find in these kind of jokes. Because oh. you light up when you're like, oh, I've got, I've got something for this. You know, the, talk to me about the pleasure and where do you think in you, in your personality, where does that joy in kind of a combination of what? Of silliness, of kind of rigorous logic, but surprising logic. Those things that make your comedy what it is. What is it about that in you that that is satisfying? Sure. Uh, Before I get to that, I will button as much as I can the question about the it's all gravy joke, which is that the reason I brought up the Mitch Hedberg thing is that I feel like I didn't invent that phrase. I didn't invent what the Italians in my family are doing. I just saw the connection and was fortunate to have found it. I was like, I discovered this and presented it in a way that nobody else did because they don't have my family, my brain, and the knowledge that I also gained. What you didn't do was look up the phrase kind of almost, um, uh, what's his name? Uh, 
Dimitri Martin. Oh, of course. It's I what I've, I've not spoken to Dimitri, but I understand or I've heard stories that he would sit on an aeroplane and just kind of flick through random words in a dictionary and try and make jokes out of them. You didn't start with the phrase "it's all gravy" and think, "What else could that mean?" No, you discovered it as it bubbled out of you. So, were you standing on stage when you discovered that one? I'm I sure can of sort that, yeah. of imagine you getting to the end of that routine and just it leaping out of you, and you running around the stage with your t-shirt over your head. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's it's so much that what happened that I don't even I can't remember sure. the first time. Like I, you know, I record my sets, I listen back. If I riff something at some point, you know, like. A new, a new snowflake. It one day became part of it, and now I can't imagine it not. But I told that joke, I'm sure, for a while without that, without that at all, because that wasn't the point at the beginning. Which is also to, I think, will tie into the answer to the question of the joy is in this discovery. Uh, another analogy: I love freestyle rapping. I love watching it when it's well done. I love doing it when it's not well done. <laughs> uh, I can, you know, I'm, I'm better than I used to be, and I'm not as good as many, but I'm probably better than a lot of people who don't know how to do it at all. Sure. Uh, but, and the thing about freestyle rapping, for me, the way that I do it, is I'm always trying, the two things that, you, that one wants to do, usually, is rhyme and make sense. Yep. And so what I'll do is, if I'm talking about a topic, I'll, st- I'll say something that makes sense, and they'll be like, oh god, now I have to rhyme something. And then I'll rhyme something, hopefully it also makes sense, but it often will not. But then, after that rhymes, I'll then spend the next line making sense, justifying why that rhyme happened, and then, now I have to, and it's sort of leapfrogging from, you know, lily pad to lily pad, uh, putting the ill in lily pad, as some might say. Um, kind of retconning. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Okay. Be like that. Of course, that's why I said that. And so the that's difficult to do. I, that's why I'm not I'm I'm not the most practiced. I'm not the best at it. But I am the best at being myself, doing comedy and doing this. Is I start with an idea, and you don't even have, you don't even have to do it on stage. You start with an idea off stage, and then I bring it to the stage, and I allow myself. to, I'm like I have a, I think one funny thing, one funny nugget here, and then I'm like, what else will my brain do in the situation? What else will I find? Will I find anything? Maybe not. Sometimes yes. Oh, and then I take that, and it's like I'm you know co-writing with myself. I'm finding things from you know my past and my present and my future are all being like, oh, I thought of, you you thought about this, and now I've got this, and you did didn't even know about this thing, like stories from my childhood that now I've told, you know, my, my new girlfriend from the past couple of years, and she's like, oh, what, isn't that relevant to this other part of your life? I'm like, oh yes, but I never thought about that because for 20 years, that didn't happen. I just had this one story that now has this greater context and just everything opens up greater avenues, and I'm just like, oh, just finding connections. You know, humans are a pattern-seeking being. We all delight in, that's why people like rhyme, like, oh, this doesn't mean that, but it sounds like that, and it's pleasant. It's why we like harmony in music, I'm sure. It's why we like so many things, just finding connections. So being the person who gets, you know, it's fun to do it with a person. It's fun, you know, be in a relationship uh, or a comedy partnership or, you know, uh, singing harmony with people. Uh, But it's so fun. I, I do it by myself. I, I'll record songs, just me, harmonizing with myself. I'll, when I'm listening back to my sets from sometimes months ago, I'll be like, oh, that, of course, that, now this, because I am, like, you know, more experienced, potentially old, certainly older, potentially wiser, potentially older, who knows? <laughs> uh, who knows how time works? But, uh, yeah, so I feel like just the delight is dis- discovery, discovery at, slash creation, whatever it is, because, you know, 
All of the matter and energy of the universe is what it is in constantly shifting forms. We are constantly shifting molecules and atoms and the, the world, society, everything is constantly shifting. And so to find, you know, just one thing that, oh, look, quick, grab that and put it over here quick before, you know, like sometimes like a roast joke or like a topical joke that, yeah. oh, something's in the news right now. It can only be funny now or else I'm telling a Bill Clinton joke 20 years later, you know, uh, and so yeah, it's just to find the things that potentially are ephemeral that then can be you know expanded upon and be like oh I'll now, the, the thing that I've, I've thought about but not recently is uh, the th- the thing that I just said like there's so many people that like when Hillary Clinton started running for president be like oh let me dust off the old Bill Clinton jokes some of them might be good but we're like don't do that write new jokes you know and do whatever you want nobody don't do that this is but- uh, a comedy club MC or host in December well what a year we've had <laughs> <laughs> the, the review of the year's topical material and we and to be fair I in 2006. <laughs> At that very same festival where I met Rory Scovel, I was telling my, the bulk of my jokes were about the movie Snakes on a Plane, which had just come out, and I was so pleased to have written a number of jokes about it that I thought were... Can I tell you one just yeah, to... Course, so that, uh, it was basically the movie Snakes on a Plane. Uh, I recommend it. Just don't do it. I did before because I ruined it for myself because before I went, I read the title. And, <laughs> and then more things like that. And I wrote five to seven minutes about that movie. And for a while after, I was like, I don't think I'm ever going to write any other jokes as good as this. Fortunately, I don't think that's true now. But I then, because those were my, that was the core of my, I was like, so the movie just came out. So the DVD just came out. So it's the one year anniversary uh, yeah. of the DVD coming out. Yeah. I actually did a show. I recorded a show in November of 2017. And I'm like, I... I was just getting down a bunch of jokes for fun that I had never recorded. And I'm like, I wrote this joke 10 years ago. It's the 10-year anniversary of this joke. Sure. Uh, so if you'll indulge me. Because the joke is still fun. And But the thing is also, so many comedians talk about their childhood. And I'm like, that's old. Boo. <laughs> <laughs> no, nobody ever is like, don't tell us something new. Tell us only about now. Right now, it's the only thing. So, of course, any topic can be made fresh and enjoyable. And that's, so that, I mean, I think there's so much joy to be had in all of this do you research do you do research when you're talking about kind of like hot takes jokes that are kind of just right of the now do you actively engage with culture for your job or do you just write jokes about the things that occur to you that you naturally come come into contact with more the latter uh than the former though i will say that throughout you know points of my uh my life i i used to watch a lot of tv now i probably watch some tv uh and when The Wire came out, uh, have you seen The Wire? Mm-hmm. Uh, it was, I was watching it, it was like reading, it was difficult, it was so, you know, rewarding. Like, the second time through, I watched it through twice, and I was like, oh, now I feel like I'm an expert, because I yeah. actually know whose people's names are, sure. and what they're talking about. Uh, at the same time, Desperate Housewives was a popular show that I'd heard of, and it didn't sound like the kind of thing to me that I would want to see, but I'm like, so many people are watching it and talking about it that that felt to me important to at least watch, like, an episode and be like, what is... What are people watching? What sure. are humans doing? Yeah, I'm, I'm human. What are, what are the rest of us doing? <laughs> and I watched it, and I actually got, you know, sort of hooked on it. And the, I talk about it sometimes on stage, not in things I would call a joke or a bit, but just on fun shows where I'm like, this is an idea that could eventually cohere into something. 
But and the idea is just that it was a very nice palate cleanser. Like I'd watch an episode of The Wire and be like, oh god, and then like, no, I, who is that? What is that? What is happening? I don't know. And then I'd watch The Desperate Housewives, and there'd be a narrator that's like. Here's what's happening. hundred <laughs> percent. Like, you, it, there's a mystery, but it's supposed to be a mystery. Yeah. <laughs> By the end of the season, we'll have told you about what the mystery was, and then there'll be a new mystery for next time. And I'm like, thank you, Desperate Housewives. I needed that. So what are the limitations of your style of comedy? There are none. <laughs> I mean, I think that uh, initially, when I was figuring things out more, which I still am, but when I didn't have the confidence or the awareness that I could definitely say, like Eminem is a great example of somebody who I, I love, I don't love everything that he believes and says, but the, the form um, is impeccable. Like his rapping is technically like, if not the best, if there's such a thing, like it's one of the best that I've, and what he does, he has like one song called Legacy in which like, each of three verses, I feel like he's just telling the story of his life, childhood, figuring out that he'd be good at rap, being the best at rap. And then all one rhyme scheme. He's, like, telling a story, and just, like, everything rhymes. It's like, he's, he's like, here's the story, and now I'm just drawing, like, a magnet, the words that tell the story. That How did you, It's the most amazing, like, it's a magnet trick. Uh, does that sound enough like magic trick to make? <laughs> to be fun? Uh, I tried to do it. But, um... And so my goal now is that, oh, like, obviously I'll, I'll think whatever funny things that I do and I'll try them. And then if I can draw them to like a, a greater, you know, narrative or theme or storyline, then that's what I do. And the ones that I can't, I just like, you know, won't be in the show. They, they'll be in f- other fun shows or whatever. Or maybe every once in a while I'll do an hour that I'm like, these don't go anywhere. You know, the in-between albums album. And so I feel like in the beginning when I didn't have this goal... Uh, and the idea that I could com- uh, achieve this goal uh, time and again as much as I can, I would just, you know, a silly wordplay would be, oh, is, isn't this just, isn't this fun? And I think that the reason that a lot of people don't like wordplay uh, or puns uh, is they're tricked and they don't know that they're going to be tricked. Is that like, because some comedy is like, here's, here's a truth. And a pun is often like, here's what seems to be a truth. Just kidding. You know, yes, pulled, yes. Like, I'm, I'm going to tell you something that definitely seems like, never mind, you now know nothing about me other than that I've made you feel bad. Like, and so I think that that, I don't think that that like follows me, but other than the fact that, you know, if you've seen my early work, if you saw me earlier on and haven't seen since, then it sticks out. The style sticks out. And so it maybe, appe- maybe appears to people that it is all that is happening. Like the same way uh, you feel about like, oh, I've done another foolish you yeah. know, <laughs> a thing that doesn't even matter. Yeah. But then everyone's like, it's so good. Yeah. Like there, Historically, there's always been people that are like, oh, that, that thing that you do, that, that's the thing that you do. And I'm like, it's not the only thing that I do. It's yes. not even the most important thing to me. They're like, you must love words. And I'm like, I love fun. Yeah. <laughs> words for me are a tool for fun. Ramdas, I think I mentioned to you briefly last night, uh, who, whom I, I love so much of, the book Be Here Now, his podcast, he, uh, I was told recently, I, I, oh, I heard my, my, another, another friend, Ramin Nazer, a comedian, an artist, check out 
all of his things, his Instagram, his books. We're maybe doing a book together where he illustrates some of my philosophical jokes, and it's going to be so much fun. Ramin Nazer has a podcast called The Rainbow Brain Skull Hour, and on it, I think he was talking to Duncan Trussell. Do you know Duncan? I don't. Oh, Duncan. Oh, man. Check out everybody. But, uh, and one of them, Duncan was, I think, uh, is, is close with Ramdas. And said, I, one of them said that Ramdas had a stroke when he was like 82. He's probably like close to 90 now. And that while he was trying to get some words out, like sometimes you can't because your brain has been affected in this way. But he clearly, you know, he's still there trying to say these things. And a, a sentence that he says is, words are clothes for concepts and the closet is closed. Wow. And what a beautiful concept he did manage with only the words that he could. And yeah. so I feel like now more than ever, like in the beginning, it's like when you start meditating, and the thing that I told you that he said is that, you know, the goal of meditating is not to be the best meditator. It is, you know, the, the assumption is to be at most uh, the most mindful that you can, the most in the moment, the most peaceful, calm, compassionate, loving to yourself and others, you know, uh, however you want to and can be in the world for yourself and others. And so similarly, in the beginning, just figuring out the skills of making jokes and doing what occurred to me naturally without, you know, a grander purpose. The, the purpose at the moment had to just be, I was being in the moment without being aware of the moment. It's like, do you know the chop wood, carry water koan? It's no, like, before no. enlightenment, chop wood, carry water. After enlightenment, chop wood, carry water. Only, so now, you know, let's say with respect to my career and using enlightenment in quotes, like the enlightenment of like, oh, like when you start doing comedy, any kind, like, how do you do it? Well, you just do it. You just write it and perform it. If it's bad, just keep doing it. Just keep doing it, keep doing it. Everyone knows, after you've been doing it for 10 years, you're like, oh, of course, that's the only advice that matters. Sorry, there's no secrets. You will learn the secret yourself. And that's how meditating is meant to work as well. Like, uh, I talked to a Buddhist friend, uh, or a person who was raised Buddhist, Alice Fraser. She yeah. said, you know, meditating growing up, uh, the goal, it isn't to be dogmatically like you must do this thing for this reason. It's that don't believe anything until you actually, it, it arises in you as the experience. So in the experience of doing comedy, you're like, oh, this is how to do comedy as me. In the beginning, though, it was just like, I guess just do it. I guess just do what I can, like whittle away, figure it out. I'm like, oh, now that I know what I'm doing, keep doing what I was doing. And now yes. do it with this knowingness. But yeah, uh, so in, in the beginning, uh, it appeared one way, and it was that way. Now, it appears that way, but there's more. And so some people, like, uh, I was very fortunate, to, like, I feel like the first review that I got was from Chortle. He came the first night, Steve Bennett, and the, the review, like, almost made me, like, cry. It was just beautiful. It was beautifully written, and he, and I certainly, I'm, I'm glad that it was positive, and, but even more specifically than, like, the number of stars, it's just, like, it made me feel seen. Like, he knew what my comedy was doing. He, you know, there are parts of it that were mentioned, like, some of the word jokes, but also, like, the grander connected themes, the the goals of what I was trying to talk about and say, and the, you know, not only the how I was expressing it, like, that was all it was in the beginning, was a how. Now it's a what, and hopefully a why. And I think that, so, like how words are clothing for concepts, you know, all of the comedy, like, the, the clothing... I've been, I've been constructing clothing for a long time. Like, and now I'm like, ooh, I think this, this will fit and this will look good with this. And like, you know, making instead of just like, well, here's, 
how do, how do you like this hat? I'm like, I didn't ask for a hat. Well, I've got a hat. That's all I got is hats. I only know how to make hats. And now I'm like, I got a whole suit made of hats, you know? I'm like, a beautiful suit. Uh, it's hats all the way down, just like, and uh, hats off to that, you know? We touched briefly there on... Um on chop wood, carry water. You could, all you can do is just do the thing. And it's something that, it, that struck me is something I, I guess I've thought before, which is that you can't, uh, you can't really give advice to a new act. Just keep going. Just keep going for five years, yes. and then let's talk about advice, because otherwise we don't have the same... We don't, we're not talking about the same thing. Do you, with, bearing that in mind, do you see, with your, with your comedy mind, with your kind of structural appreciation uh, of comedy and how jokes work do you see the same common mistakes being made by newer acts i'm i suppose what i'm trying to get at is what's your advice for a newer act in a slightly more in-depth kind of uh oh yeah i can uh i can speak to this there's here's i will give you a joke that is not part of the show Um, a, a guy came to me once like a young kid and he was like should i do comedy but you do comedy should i do it and the joke is, I say, well, can you imagine yourself doing anything other than this? Because I can't tell you who you are, but can you imagine it? And he's like, no, I can't. I'm like, well, then you shouldn't do comedy because imagination is very important. <laughs> uh, but obviously, that's the joke. The truth is that if you're, like, if somebody says, like, if I see a movie and I like it, and they're like, should I see it? I'm like, if you, if you think you should see it, then see it. If you don't think you should see it, then don't. Some movies, I'm like, definitely see this movie. But the personal choice of, like, whether to do comedy and how to do comedy, like, if you want to, then do it. If you don't want to, then don't do it. If you're not sure, then yeah, figure it out. Uh, but as for how to do it, I say, I mean, and this is, uh, this is going to be, I'm, I'm delighted in what is happening within. Because I read a, a book by a person whose na- last name is Klinkenborg. And the book is called Several Short Sentences About Writing. And in the beginning, and I read it, and it's fantastic. In the beginning, he says something like, that resonates so much. Uh, he says, I'm, the purpose of this book is not to teach you how to write like me. It's to teach you how to write like you. And that is the essence of the advice that I would give. I'm like, I, like, I always, there's a, oh, there's another chunk that isn't in the show that you saw that used to be when, if, if you know, the show could have been 75 minutes, this bit would be there, it'll be in the next thing. It's about giving advice. And I say that I don't give people advice. I have advice, and you can take it, but I don't give it to you. Like, because people don't... The, the summer camp that I went to, that I mentioned, uh, the owner, the, the first founder of it, was a man named Ernst Bulova and his wife Ilsa. They started in 1942 as a work camp to help support the war effort. They grew vegetables and animals and all sorts of things. Then became an arts camp later. But he had studied with Maria Montessori, and so his, he had said, uh, children like to learn, but they don't like to be taught. Mm. And so, and I think that's true of adults. Like, you, you can't tell me what to do, like, you know, but, I'll, but I want to do it. Like, and that's why when I started playing violin when I was four, because my parents made me, because they were music teachers, my mom wanted me to have that same love. She's like, you will love this. It was like religion for her. She was like, I love it so much. But she couldn't make me have the thought. I had to do it myself, which is when I taught myself guitar in high school. And I'm like, I don't have to do this. I love this. Mm. And I was so grateful that the childhood 
uh, the, that I learned how to move my fingers in that way because, and so I'm so grateful. It's such a, there's a, a quote by Khalil Gibran. I hope that doesn't sound, I hope that sounds exactly pretentious enough. Uh, <laughs> the book, The Prophet, the quote is, the greater that sorrow carves into your being, the more joy you can contain. And so I remember telling my mom, I'm like, I'm so glad for the sorrow that carved into me, literally into my fingers as grooves and calluses that later would then be able to come out and fill with joy of the guitar. And she's like, I made you feel sorrow. I'm like, you're missing the point. <laughs> uh, I'm like, now you feel sorrow and I'll try to, I'm trying to fill you with joy. And that might be another joke for the next hour, but like sincerely, and that's the way, obviously comedy, like not to say that all tragedy necessarily, like don't try to have tragedies so that you can gain joy from them. But any, if you have a sadness or a tragedy or a difficulty or sorrow in your past, hopefully you can, one can gain from it, learn from it, grow from it. Like Stephen Colbert has talked about, uh, his father died as a child. A few brothers died like in a plane crash. And like now he is grateful for the life that he has, uh, which includes that. So he is in a weird way grateful for that. Not that he would wish it to happen, but he came to this place. And so back to advice, like similarly, if I just say do this, like that's not the same as like, if you want to do this, you can have this. Here, so the, advice, the joke about advice is like my first piece of advice is don't give people advice. And I'm not giving that to you, but you can have it if you take it. And so, because it's personal, because I can only say, I say this is what I do as opposed, and if you like it, then great. Then you can also do your version of what I do. And so... My, my advice for everyone, here's what everyone ought do, is be themselves, is not look at what other people are saying or doing or offering, except at, like, oh, I look at Rory and I'm like, oh, you don't have to just tell a joke from the beginning of the sentence to the end and stop and go on to the next one. You can add to it. You can continue to live in the world of that joke. You can, and if that's, if that's something that resonates with you, like it resonated with me, then great. If you're, if you're more naturally like that, if you're like, I need control, then maybe you're like, I should try, like try all the things, you know, try writing late night monologue style jokes, try writing, you know, like topical things, try writing, you know, if you don't, if that's natural for you, then try writing personal things. Like, you know, Dimitri Martin does what he does. I think when he came out here years ago, he did like personal shows sometimes. Cause he's like, I'm just writing hours and hours of comedy. I'm like, why not try everything? Try, like, look at what everyone does and see what rises to the top of your interest. What resonates with you? Like, oh, I like comedy about comedy. I like meta things. I like, you know, breaking things down, deconstructing things. Like, you know, I like, but, you know, now for me, like, I love Maria Bamford. I love Andy Kindler. I love Dave Chappelle. I love Sarah Silverman. I love Paul F. Tompkins. I love Reggie Watts. I love so many people who do so many different things. And so when you ask me what the limitations of my style are, I'm like, they might have them, but I'm not limited to that style. I can continually be growing and changing. Like, you know, I can like be silent or loud. I can be measured or looser. Like, and now it is these combinations that, you know, obviously I can only be me, but me can change at any moment as well, you know, both uh, conceptually, emotionally, uh, creatively. And so the, I'd say in the beginning, you're figuring out how to chisel away at who you are. You're just a block of marble and you're the sculptor. You're like, what's, what does the sculptor look like? So start, start just by anything. And so I guess my, my advice is like, write everything down if, or don't, but I, I say write or record, have something that you can like just capture your ideas. Uh, and because otherwise you might forget them, which is fine, but you know, and so, again, you don't have to do anything that I'm saying, but what I do is I have a notebook and or a recorder at all times. And if I say something or think of something, 
or see something, even if I don't think it's, even if I don't know what the whole thing is going to be. It could be a song lyric. It could be a joke as a tweet. It could be just a life lesson that I'm like, oh, and then maybe that will be. I used to put things, I still do. I put things in my recorder into different sections. One of them is like additions to jokes that exist already. Another is uh, new ideas for big, you know, important concepts that I want to joke about. Another is just like stories from my life just for my journal. And then I'm like, well, if I'm remembering it from my journal, maybe it could also be a joke. And then there's just like overlap and there's constant connection. So I would say if you think something might be worthwhile, then note it. If something, and that's from this Klinkenborg book too. It's like, if you note something, note that you're noting it. Whether it's you know something that, oh, society seems to do or I do. And I'm like, I think, you can certainly look at everything, but I think it's a good place to start with yourself. What is different about you from everyone? And what is the same about you to everyone? Those are, I think those are good places to start. Are you happy? Uh, now or in general? Both. Yes. <laughs> there are definitely times, uh, so in general I am happy. Right now I am happy. There are certainly a range of human emotions that I experience on a daily basis, uh, especially even here, like the first many days of this fringe, uh, you know, we're about a third of the way through it now. I was like, oh God, uh, uh, people might be coming. Are they coming? Reviews, uh, money, who, something, is this, do they language words? You know, do they language words? And, uh, and now, I mean, I feel like this is, you know, I have a lot of natural habitats, but you know, communing with, you know, a fellow like seeker, I think, is that on your, your, po- your, your Twitter bio? Oh, thank you. Yes. Yeah. I've pinched that from Ken Campbell. He used oh. to ad- address the audience as seekers. Yeah. Uh, and that's, that's also very common in the, in like the Duncan Trussell Ramdas world of like, they talk about the Sangha, uh, which is like the, the fellow, the community of fellow seekers. So it's like up when you're like, oh yeah. You, you, you and I, we are the same in this way. Like, are you, are you looking for stuff and not finding it all? Me too. <laughs> We've at least found that. So, yeah, I, uh, I am in, in, this, in this moment of communion, in, of community, of, uh, of conception, of inception, of, you know, of mutual, you know, respect and delight for, you know, for the art, for like the beauty of stand-up and, you know, and friendship and just, you know, learning and openness of all these things. Like, of course, of course I'm happy uh, right now. So, yes. That's one of my favorite ever answers. So that was Mike. What a joy. What a joy to talk to him. 20 minutes or so extra material available at comedianscomedian.com slash insiders. If you'd like to hear more from Mike and, um, oh, now which bit of this was I going to put on the Insiders Club? There's a specific bit. Oh, I can't tease it because I haven't actually done the edit just yet, but there is a good bit. So if you are in the, in the club, then you can look forward to that. What kind of pathetic marketing is that? <laughs> I literally haven't done it yet, but it will be there and it will be good. Mm, consider yourself teased. That's all of that. Come along and see me and all of these other acts uh, if you're at the Edinburgh Festival. And um, if you're not, then someone, um, uh, Jose, over on the Comedians Comedian Facebook group, is doing a thing which he kind of came up with. And I said, let's make it a a thing. Um, It's called hashtag virtual fringe. So if you go along there, he is watching one stand up special a night publicly available on, you know, Netflix or Internet or something. 
Um, and so he's kind of having, he's not at the festival, but he's having a, his own fringe and then sort of discussing, you know, posting each day. I'm going to watch this tonight. Other people watch it as well. And then they can uh, chat about it. That's a great use of the ComCom Facebook group. Um, and there's other great uses besides. What else do I want to shout out to you? Just on the off chance you are downloading and listening to this during the festival, which makes you a real glutton for punishment. I approve. Um, who else have we seen? Chris Stokes. He was fantastic. Saw Pierre Novelli last night and Matt Ford. Uh, they were both ace. Uh, who else have I seen? I did a gig with Lazy Susan recently. I'm looking forward to seeing their show later in the month. Um, the uh, Sketch Double Act. Um, who else? God, I've seen so much. It's all falling out of my ears and mind. Um, I will post a lamb. I'll, I'll post amble at you at a moment, or post a lamble. <laughs> That's more appropriate when I finally lose my mind. Um, we'll do that in just a second. For now, thank you to Pete Dobbing, pod consultant. Thanks to Nathan Wood for editing and producing the show. Thanks to everyone that came along to the ComCom meetup. We may try and do another one if there's time. Uh, so keep them peeled. I'll let you know on the, the Facebook group and the Workspace app for those of you in the Insiders Club. Thank you very much for listening. Um, loads more great episodes to come. And uh, I'm going to sort of measure them out over the next uh, few weeks and months as I prepare to uh, receive a second child. So that's that. That's where we are now. Uh, lovely to talk to you. I've missed you. I missed last week. I'm sorry I was busy. So it's nice to say hello again. Post Amble coming at you in a moment. But for now, that concludes the show. Okay. Wow. So it's been a... It, <laughs> I haven't even I haven't really felt like I'm at the festival until last night when my friend uh, friend my friend Herbie Treehead came into town. I actually got to sit in a pub with a couple of mates, old buddies, and go, "Ah, oh, here we are again." We played what what year was this? And we kind of mentioned things that have happened in the last twenty odd years of coming to the festival. Um, tremendous fun. What year was Goldsmith selling the world's smallest kite from an Usher style tray in the high street? Two thousand four? Question mark. Answers on a postcard. Um, really, really nice to sort of finally feel I've landed. I think I went a bit too hard with the podcast admin, the podmin, this festival, and I didn't, I've been neglecting my heavily pregnant wife and toddler. Now, obviously, this is a trade fair and I'm here to work, but um, what I should have done was not do anything apart from my show for the first 10 days, then do a load of podcasts. Now, as you know, I've mentioned this before, I get unaccountably nervous before each one, and I didn't want them to be hanging over me. As soon as they begin, I'm always fine, but I get this kind of, oh, I've got this big guest coming up, I've got to do more research, can't ever have done enough research, and I start freaking out. And, um, and so I didn't want that to be hanging over me, so I thought, I'm going to hit it, blitz it, seal these shows. Janine Garofalo, that's who we've got coming up. God, she was fantastic. Brilliant, brilliant show. And, um, and she's coming up, uh, the episode with her coming up very soon. Um, so... Uh, I just did them all in advance, and as a result, I have been running pillar to post, promoting the show, doing my own show, and um, and recording and researching podcasts. And only now I've got to, look. If you're one of the many people who, in this middle week, I've texted and said, "Sorry, I know I put this gig in with you two months ago. I can't do it anymore. I'm completely, <laughs> just totally, my diary is rammed, and I need to turn things off and start actually paying attention to my family because it's not the old days anymore." It's the new days, and in the new days, I'm primarily a parent and a co-parent and a husband and not just some chump running around. I'm just trying to do both. And when you try and do both, you feel like you're not being a very good performer, you're not being a very good hustler, you're not being a very good parent or co-parent. So there's some way you're sort of, it's, it's hard. But as my friend Vince pointed out to me, um, you'll never be happy, Stu. <laughs> so there we are. That's... Seems fair enough. 
Um, thanks to everyone that's been coming to the show. I can't tell you what it was like on last Saturday when we first filled the room. Filled it. Huge numbers of people. The fabulous liquid rooms here as part of the PBH Free Fringe. And it's, it's a bigger room than last year by 100 people. Last year I was kind of ramming 165 into the, into the liquid rooms annex. And it was a calculated risk to go up, to move up to a bigger room. What you lose is the sort of frisson that comes from filling the room every day and meaning that you have to turn people away. Apologies to those people, but obviously that's kind of good PR for me. That Oh, you can't get into Stu's show. But I didn't want to do the same thing for the third year in a row. That felt a bit stagnant or in danger of stagnating. So I thought, right, let's bite off more than we can chew again. And of course, the margins are very different when there's, when there's the difference of 100 people a day times 22 shows then I kind of projected a potential income from donations at the show and as a result, massively overspent on advertising, thinking, well, this is my Charlie Big Potatoes year. Roughly the same number of people have come to the show and as a result, <laughs> I'm probably going to do less well this year than last year. Idiot boy. But I'm glad I tried. It feels like the right thing to be doing. I'm having a whale of a time. Nat Metcalf said a lovely thing to me. He, um, Nathaniel Metcalf, who you must see if you're up in Edinburgh, he's a terrific performer. And um, I don't know when he's going to be back at the Fringe. He's sort of toying with his his future as a comedian, I guess. He's, but he's, he's sensational. James Acaster has directed his show, and a very fine show it is. Um, Nat was saying he came. This is self-aggrandizing, but come on, it's, it's the post apple here. He was. He came away and he, he saw it like day three and said, "Stu, it's like uh, I'll, I'll resist the temptation to do an impression of him." No, I won't. He said, "Stu, it's like uh, it's like you're on Turbo Boost, which I love because that's a thing you see happen to comics. They just get in gear. I feel like this is the year when I've gone. Oh, oh, I think I know what my thing is. I think I know what my thing is, and it's." I'll go into it more in detail. Let's save that up. I'll tell you what my thing is. But I am, I finally, 13 years in, I'm like, oh, yeah, oh, that's my thing. And it feels really uh, satisfying and equally frustrating to, uh, to go, oh, God, I always knew that was my thing. I just didn't do it with enough clarity. Well, now I am. That's very satisfying. So come and see the show. End of 2.50 p.m. at the Liquid Rooms warehouse. There are God knows how many left. Probably a thousand. Um, what larks. Right, off to another gig. Thanks for listening. Speak to you next week. I will put out um, the next one. What should we do? Mark Thomas? Oh, it's so good. I want to save it, but it's so good. I want to give it to you immediately. So great. And remember, um, you'll get the Alice Fraser one uh, a couple of weeks, maybe even a month early. I might hang on to that for a bit, just for jinx. And um, uh, you'll get the Alice Fraser one, a sort of rough cut, unedited sneak preview uh, from the ComCom Meetup live show that we did. And thanks to everyone that came to the meetup. That was... Um, uh, that was really fun. It was really fun to meet so many of you. Um, but yes, if you're in the Insiders Club, comedianscomedian.com slash insiders, join up there uh, and you get all the extra content from all the previous shows. Um, that's the only place now to get the extra content and, uh, you know, instead of extras from individual episodes as well as pitching to interview me as well as being part of the sort of inner circle community of people who can suggest things like the meetup that I then go, let's do that. So join up, join up, join up. See the world. Lots of love. Speak to you soon. Mm-hmm.